Hello, welcome to the Rogo Tours podcast. My name is Chad Durham. I'm Jacob Hampton. And we are here to talk about Damien Chazelle's Babylon. We are some weeks late on this, but um, with the Oscar nominations um, coming out this week, uh, a few days after we're recording this, um, it's still a good time to take a look at Damien Chazelle's latest movie, uh, which stars Margot Robbie, Diego Calva, Brad Pitt, Gene Smart, and a bunch of other good people, too. A really funny, weird um, cameo by Tobey Maguire. Um, and uh, a lot of people, I read I read a lot of stuff before I watched Babylon. I try not to read too much plot stuff, but I like to see what people think. Um, and a lot of people, multiple people use the word, or the phrase, big swing. Like, this is Chazelle's big swing. Um, and after I saw it, I read a very interesting article by Owen Gleiberman, who I like a lot. About and Owen Gleiberman was, which we'll get into in just a minute, was on the like negative side of Babylon. But he wrote this article about why he didn't think Babylon worked and why he thinks it doesn't mean anything for Damien Chazelle's career. Like, oh yeah, he's gonna make great stuff continually. Um, but sometimes you have to like maybe have a misstep in order to get on the right path. And so it's part of the reason we wanted to talk about Babylon is it's really, really interesting to look at this movie made by who was a, a critical darling, Damien yeah. Chazelle. Uh, started with well, he made a, a like a smaller movie called Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench, but then his big first movie was Whiplash, which won an Oscar for uh, J.K. Simmons, was nominated for Best Picture. Then he made La La Land, which won a bunch of Oscars, uh, not including Best Picture. Um, and then First Man, which was less critically well-received a little bit, but everyone thought an incredibly well-made movie, very well shot with a good performance by Ryan Gosling. And so that's why when Babylon came out with the kind of propulsive percussive trailers and being about Hollywood I was really surprised to see that it was so divisive 55% on Rotten Tomatoes the last time we looked with a Metacritic score of 60 those could have changed but right in that region so we want to start out before we dive into what we think with what do you think Jake made it such a divisive movie which ultimately partially led partially to it performing pretty poorly at the box office um, well, I feel like we, you know, we can't go get too far into this without mentioning the length of the movie, which is, I think it's like three hours and eight minutes or something yeah, like yeah. that. Um, so I don't know. I, I, on the one hand, like I, I'm all for, um, directors having all the creative freedom they want, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Um, but then I see things like this where it's like, yeah, three hour and eight minute movie. I think just a director doing that, that's kind of, um, that's a statement in its own way, right? You're kind of saying like, all right, this movie deserves to be this long. And I think that length alone is going to kind of, I think it, the odds that your movie is going to be divisive go up because you're making people sit through so much more of it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, opinions they form positive or negative might be more stronger because of that. Yeah. So I think the length contributes to the divisiveness. Um, I honestly think the marketing contributed a lot to the divisiveness too, because I, I found it so strange that the marketing, you mentioned the, the trailers, but they, they focus so much on the like party aspects, um, of the movie and that it's just, it's wild. It's crazy. Right. And I don't think the movie, I mean, there's, there's some pretty wild stuff in there, but I it's think wild. it's, it's not, 
Um, it's not three hours of crazy, which is right. what I, I texted Chad and Eric that I was gearing up for as I sat in, in the theater alone, by the way. I was, <laughs> speaking of poor box office performance, I was the only person in my entire showing. Oh, nice. I mean, it was like a Sunday morning, but still. Swearing at the screen. Yeah. And stuff, since no one was <laughs> yeah, in there. Exactly. Throwing popcorn when you were mad. Exactly. Um, a lot of, much has been made of the content, right? Being, um, you know, graphic, basically this being right, like Wolf of Wall Street, but Hollywood type of thing. and. Sure. Um, I think that's come up as something maybe being divisive. I ultimately don't think that would be that's contributing to it, right? I don't think people are necessarily giving this poor review saying like it's too graphic. But sure. um, those are a few things that come to mind for me. I think yeah. it's just it's just a lot, and when you do a lot, like odds are that's not going to land with everybody. Yeah, yeah, well said. I because this will kind of dovetail into our personal reactions, and and just as a quick note, we sort of kind of filmed this in two parts. Uh, you'll get to hear some of what. Jordan Hadfield thought he was with us on the uh, Glass Onion Knives Out episode and also Eric Wood. So a few times I'll splice in some things that they said so so you can hear from all of us. Um, but this is partially goes into some of the things that I didn't like. Um, so this is a nice little bridge into our personal responses. Because I'm very interested to hear what Jake thought. I've heard what Jordan thought. I've heard what Eric thought. I know what I think, obviously. Um, but... I, when it got out, I, it's rare for me to say a movie is too long. It's just rare for me to say it. Um, I remember saying it, I mean, I can only think of a few examples. I thought King Kong was too long, way back, Peter Jackson's King Kong. Mm -hmm. I think both the Avatar movies are too long, but that's a, my chip on my shoulder about those movies. But I thought Babylon was too long. I, I really thought like, oh my gosh, there is a really good hour and 50 minute movie in here. Um, and I felt like the three hour version was a little bit bloated. There was a lot of stuff that I think meandered too much. I think meandering's fine. Divisive-wise, I read a review after I saw it from Richard Roper, who's one of my favorite reviewers, and he said very similar things to my wife and I, which some of the gross-out stuff, not even the graphic stuff, but the gross-out stuff, just seemed to be there to, like... I didn't find as much of a cinematic reason for it being there. And I, and I know that part of what he was doing was showing the excess of Hollywood. I, I, I get it. But I think that he pushed a little far. There's a scene where someone's vomiting, and I even get the metaphorical aspects of her vomiting in that scene, but it just felt like you didn't need to necessarily show it as, in that case, as graphically as you did. It opens with a pretty graphic, like, sexual reference, just for, since we're on our very kid-friendly uh, <laughs> uh, podcast here, um, and, and uh, an elephant takes a dump on somebody's face. Yeah. And all of those things were off-putting for me. And I, I can handle content. I've seen a lot of things with, with kind of like, cause, because the opening kind of like crazy wild like dance orgy scene, I didn't necessarily think it needed to be there, but it didn't, it didn't bother me. Like, okay, yeah, you can show what Hollywood, I turned to my wife and said, do you think Hollywood was like this in the 20s? What was funny is she, she didn't even blink. She said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Um, and and uh, I think a lot of those things contributed to it. And then I just, I think that they're, Movies are okay to be ambiguous. I think that if you're going to either spell it out to me or be ambiguous, I'll take ambiguous every time. Same. If I feel like you're not 100% sure what you want to say at all, sometimes that will feel detrimental to me. And I feel like there was a lot of, I'm not 100% sure if Damien Chazelle even knows what he's trying to say here, for me. Um, uh, like we, I mentioned before we started recording, and I probably mentioned this on the other part, so apologies if you hear this twice, but there were some incredible scenes. 
some stuff that just shows how talented Damien Chazelle is. A scene at the beginning where they're filming a bunch of movies at the same time and Margot Robbie gets to play a part I thought was yeah. dynamite. Yeah. And then there's a scene where they're trying to get a camera to get this shot and it's humorous and it culminates with something that I just thought worked really, really well. The end for me didn't work and I know a lot of people have discussed the end. And I I wasn't as like mad at the end. Like some people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he did that. But I also didn't think it worked for me. And ultimately, the weird part for me was that it felt like it was looking back at this excessive era of Hollywood with nostalgia. Okay. That's how I that's how the themes came across to me. Like where it was like, oh man, if only we could have, you know, dance field orgies and <laughs> you do you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like all oh, this bygone era where, you know, People were movie stars, and and they used their lives to kind of fuel what we saw on the screen. And also, like, they died young, and they played hard. Like, okay, I, I'm okay with us looking into that, but, like, are you saying we missed that? Right. Because I heard someone even say they felt like it was a, a metaphor for, like, streaming taking over from... I, I only read this once. Okay. For streaming taking over um, the theater experience. And I was like, well, again, are you looking back at nostalgia, nostalgically? At, yeah. Orgy parties, you know what I mean, and that's fine. If you are, that's fine. Like I'm not, I'm not the moral police, but there was a lot of moral relativism, which is totally fine. But it felt like it wasn't in the service for me of something that crystallized. Sure. And now I'm curious what you, because because for me it was it was definitely a, a letdown, and some of that was that it was Damien Chazelle. Even with all the divisiveness, I still felt a little let down when the movie ended. Yeah, I did too. Um... I'm trying to gather thoughts here. I almost feel like with this, first of all, do you feel like the very ending kind of few minutes or is it a spoiler to mention what those are? Do you feel? Um, I mean, the th- no, I mean, I think we can intimate like what we always do on here mm-hmm. is we're say like, look, we might go into some spoilery territory. And if you're like, I haven't seen Babylon and I can't wait to see it or whatever, um, then you can skip ahead a couple minutes. Right. Uh, uh, um, and, and, and we'll try not to go into too much specific detail, but yeah, go for okay. it. I also feel like this is more than almost any movie we've ever done. It's like, you've probably already seen it if you wanted to. And like, we're not, you're, and, we're, I don't think our thoughts are going to convince you to go see yeah, it. Right, right, right. So, uh, I don't know. Anyway. Okay. That said the length, yeah, was the biggest difficulty for me. I'm the same as you. I'm like, let's not, you know, box filmmakers in and say like, you can only make movies that are two hours or whatever, but Blade Runner 2049 is pretty masterful. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't mind any of the minutes. Same, same, but this felt, yeah, it felt hard for me to justify the length. Um, and by the time the, just yeah the thought that i had why i asked about the ending is like by the time i'm like watching clips of avatar and some weird montage at the end i'm like i just like i just want to go home yeah. <laughs> like i felt kind of held hostage by the movie after a while and so well i i i've got to admit because i already listened and talked to to jordan and eric that i love all the different opinions we have but i'm glad you're kind of on my side because they're they're not per se and in, in fact i'll probably cut them in right here okay um, all right so uh, we had these as kind of two separate topics, and I, Jordan rightfully pointed out it would be a good thing to discuss together because perhaps it comes from the same thing. Why do you think, from a, from a fairly commercially successful director, Damien Chazelle, Whiplash, La La Land, First Man, um, why do you think, two things, why do you think it's so divisive for critics and audiences? Like within this room, we have probably a three tiers of opinions right now. 
um, really high, higher, a little bit mid. Um, why so divisive for audiences and, and critics? And then why so uh, perform so poorly at the box office? And like Jordan mentioned earlier, if those two things go hand in hand, what is that common thing that, that held it up or whatever? I'm interested to, to hear others' opinions on this as well. Um, I think that the length, I mean, I think there's a lot that's been said about how long it is. Um, I, I do think the, the scope of it, not everyone wants to see something that's that immersive and that all over the top. And I also think the, uh, the elements that are almost extravaganza and sensationalizing different sensibilities are not everyone's cup of tea. Uh, projectile vomit, mm -hmm. elephant crap. Come on, who doesn't love good projectile vomit? <laughs> uh <-huh>. <laughs> <laughs> Peeing. I mean, I won't go any further. Have you guys one, seen but... Triangle of Sadness? No. Yes. <laughs> I want to, though. Yes, I Woody Harrelson. Woody. Okay, projectile so, yeah, so, vomit. So yeah. the length, mm -hmm. and then just like kind of that, that bombarding. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back on the length a little bit. I think there's a conversation to be had here. Um, I don't think it's the length. Now, I agree in today's world where everyone has ADD to some degree. Mm -hmm. A longer movie um, requires more from a viewer, and, and sometimes that can be difficult, admittedly. Um, but there are some really long movies out there that are fantastic. I mean, Godfather, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Godfather 2 is pushing four hours, and it is a masterpiece. It's flawless. Um, so I think the length adds a degree of difficulty um, to a director. Um, but I don't think the length of a movie is a stumbling block either. And I don't think that's the case here. So that's not, you don't think that really that plays in, at least not on a high level, for the divisiveness or the poor box office. Exactly. I think the problem with this movie um, is that it's chaotic. It's not a tight script. Um, it's very, very different than your typical movie, again, with the character building and the story arc. This is a different kind of movie. It's chaotic. I keep saying it's chaotic. It's a roller coaster ride. It feels like you're being shot out of a cannon. But that is the very thesis of this script. That is what this movie needs to be in order to tell it the way that Damien Chazelle wants to tell it. Um, and I just think that's more difficult. If we have a different script... A different director telling the same story that's three hours, it may be fantastic. But that's not the story that Damien Chazelle is trying to tell here. Um, I've, I've heard that there's a four-hour cut of this movie. Now, I would love to see that. And I think some of these characters, you know, Sidney Palmer, the trumpet player, um, he needs more. We don't get to know him. And, and I think his story... Um, is such an interesting one, and I want to know more about him. And so I would love to see that four-hour cut. I do agree that if this movie was shorter, it would probably been received better. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's a timing issue. I think it's there's there's too many stories that are just underdeveloped. I think in order to meet you know kind of the demands of the box office this movie needed to come in at two hours or four hours right, right? Uh, i don't think it's too long i think it's too short but i think if it was shorter i think it would be better well received because then and i think that would have required a finessing of the mm -hmm. script okay Correct, this, sure. we're 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 uh what's the jettisoning yeah. jettisoning this character or 
we're clearing this or we're taking that storyline out. We're not going to go visit the rattlesnake or, or yeah. whatever it is, right? Whatever the thing is. Yeah. By the way, my wife and I have talked about how as absurd as that scene is that we thought it really worked. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't have worked, at least not in my mind. Mm-hmm. But like that whole thing and she's running around, Brad Pitt's kind of amused reaction, um, uh, Hong Chow. No, that's not her name. That's the whale. Um, Lee Jun Lee, I think, is mm-hmm. her name. What was her name in the movie? I can't even remember. Did you write that one down? No. Um, I don't remember. No, that's, don't worry. Um, her kind of amused, she's just like, anyway, I thought that worked really well. And uh, even though it really shouldn't have, but you could have jettisoned some of that if you were looking for a tighter narrative. If you're looking to cut. If you were looking to do that. And, and I agree with you that he wasn't looking to do that. I agree 100%. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I, think, I think that's, the, now again, this script wasn't for everyone. And I don't think Damien Chazelle is, I think of course he's um, disappointed by you know, the review and, and the way the movie's been re- received. But I'll bet if we could ask him, he would say, I didn't make this movie for everybody. Sure. This movie is not for everyone. You know, I, I take my parents, who are very sweet, soft, conservative people, um, to a lot of movies. And I make them watch some difficult movies because I think these movies need to be watched. And my sweet mother watches them and she tolerates the violence and the language mm-hmm. and the graphic nudity. Um, and again, she does it with a smile on her face, right? And maybe she's doing it to please me. This is not a movie I would take my mother to. Right. Um, you know, I've sat her through some difficult... This is not one I would take her to. This movie is not for everybody. Um, but I don't think Damien's surprised that it's not for everybody. I think that's valid. Yeah. 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 Um, one more question on this. Uh, it's only tangentially related, but I wanted to ask it earlier, and I saw a note that Jordan made. Um, it's, it's a dual question again. Tobey Maguire, uh, good or not good? Secondly, are, are you a fan of that section? Because I'll admit, I'm not a big fan of that section mm-hmm. for a lot of different reasons. But I thought he was really fun. I thought Tobey Maguire, it was fun. I, I think part of it was, it almost, that, that's wrong because it's gonna, it's gonna make it sound, um, it's gonna degrade and I don't mean to do that. But it feels like stunt casting because he's not in it very long and it's like, oh, it's Tobey Maguire. Mm-hmm. But I thought he really worked playing that character. Curious your thoughts, and and again that section of the movie, the kind of descent into the 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 bowels of L.A., if you will, mm-hmm. um, uh, was that something that worked for you? Well, and I, it sounds like most things worked for you, Jordan. But uh, just a kind of a quick response to Tobey Maguire in that section. I think for me, I can take Tobey Maguire or leave him. I thought it was kind of a fun thing for him to be involved in, and I felt like that section was. Again, just so bombastic and so larger than life. And like, you know, there's an underground scene, you know, that the world has this stuff, but just elevating it even, you know, that much more. I thought, I thought it was, it was fine. Like, I, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't the weaker, like the weakest yeah. part of it. I mean, I, I, I see. I think that's a place that can again lose lose mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. I think there's several to me several places throughout where, where you can lost. lose and like if you don't want to be there, that's going to help you not want to be there more. Valid, because uh, it's okay when a movie makes me feel uncomfortable. I've been felt uncomfortable in a lot of movies mm-hmm. I loved. Um, that scene made me uncomfortable, and not necessarily in ways where I felt like I was getting something from it as mm-hmm. an audience member. Um, yeah. This movie, there are so many scenes in this movie that that need to be talked about. So many great scenes. 
Um, I thought Toby McGuire was fantastic. And he pr- he produced this movie, correct? He had, I don't, he I'm had, not sure. I'm I believe sure. he had some part in the, we'll the production look it up of this while you're movie. Talking, please. Yeah, I believe he did. Uh, I thought he was. I thought he was great. I thought his his part was great. Um, that scene didn't bug me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it bugged a lot of people. I've heard that it, that a lot of people um, were kind of throw off about the underbelly and mm-hmm. the underbelly scene where they sure. go into the the tunnels and there's some pretty extreme, <laughs> you know. Um, it's one it, way to say it. It's mm-hmm. definitely an uncomfortable scene. Yeah, um, yeah he's an executive producer. Yep, mm-hmm. that's what I thought. Um, definitely an uncomfortable scene for sure, but I don't think that it drugged the movie down in any way. Um, that may be an unpopular opinion. Did you um, think that like you felt like you got something that hadn't already been addressed or that it reiterated a point that needed to be reiterated or anything. I felt like it got darker than a, like this is already showing some dark parts of cinema and production and sure. people are getting shot in production and whatnot. Uh-huh. But that was a different kind of dark. That was, there's an underbelly, there's a deeper underbelly and there's stuff that we're not even going to get completely into, but it, you know, like, so I, I thought it did add that element to it that mm-hmm. it's even more bombastic and, you know, degradation down that rabbit hole. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> Did it need to be there? Um, no. I mean, I don't think it needed to be there. Um, but again, I don't think it hurt the movie by being there. I think it was showing a, a an element of Hollywood that Damien was trying to show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the movie is, a, again, the movie's about a lot of things, but the movie is also um, about where the ex- where the desire for power and for fame and for money and for enjoyment and f- you know where it can take you if you surrender yourself to it um and i think that that's what that scene really tried to hammer home was you know you've got all these actors and these actresses and these people who are who are partying and and just trying to live life to the fullest and as they is they push that envelope, it can lead down some pretty dark paths. And um... that leads me to one last question. I promise. Um, opening scenes, the party, the hedonism. Is he passing any judgment, Damien Chazelle, on the people participating in that? Is he celebrating? Is he condemning? Is he just observing? That's up for debate, right? And I've heard a lot of different people have a lot of different comments on this. I don't know. I don't know him and, you know, what his personal thoughts are. I've heard a lot of people say it was the middle finger to Hollywood and to, to actors in Hollywood. And, and I don't know that that's the case. Um, but I could be wrong. I think my interpretation was that is is just um, less decisive, too. I think it's open to a lot of interpretation. But I think it was so extravagant and such a way to show you this world, this is this is stuff that happens, this is what's going on, and this is a wild part of it. You thought, you think life currently is wild? Let me take you back a few years and look at this stuff. This is wild too, you know? I think yeah. just that freedom sets the tone. And this is uh, Eric and Jordan giving some of their personal reaction to Babylon. We'll have you go first so we can build to Jordan. Okay, uh, Babylon, so three, main components for me um, as I walked out and, and saw it. One was the score. Uh, that was one of the strongest elements, the strongest cinematic element orchestration together that I have seen in a long time. If like, it, it was just 
it catapulted my liking of the film. Did you think there were any purposeful echoes to La La Land? I know that's a weird question, but there were like two or three times where my wife and I were like, this sounds like it's actually trying to echo La La Land score. My wife mentioned the same thing, actually, on some, because she's heard me listening to the score. Jordan's heard me listening to the score. Yeah. Um, possibly the intention, I'm not sure. I think everything's intentional with the way that he has command of, of that score. But, yeah. Okay, nice. Um, so yeah, the score was, was first and foremost. Second was the lead acting as far as uh, Robbie and Pitt. Uh, the strength of the cinema to me felt like it was on their shoulders. Um, and then the third was the ending and the um, exaggeration and the phantasmal elements that were in it that is just larger than life that is just in your face um, and that goes from production design to plot and story and just the ec eccentricity of what is going on yeah so did, those did, are the takeaways for me so the end is really divisive mm -hmm. um, all I wanted to ask in this part before Jordan jumps in um, two, two things did the ending work for you and what ultimately do you think he was trying to say about cinema or acting or so the ending for me like it goes uh, forward in time it goes backward in time upon for uh, there's stages of the ending for me and this is upon further reflection why i like it more days later than when i first walked out and watched it uh when i first watched it i feel like i was mm, i don't know if i was confused or if i didn't know how to interpret what I was being presented. I think there's a lot of broadness to how you interpret it. Um, I love the way they wrapped up the story for those two characters that I mentioned for yeah. uh, Brad Pitt for and Brad Margot, Pitt and Margot Robbie. Robbie. I mm -hmm. felt like that was, for me, I was worried. I was in the story, I was loving what was going on, but I didn't know if it could, could finish that. And to me, that was a strength. It ends the stories well. Overall, the whole movie, as it, as it gets even more divisive and what is your interpretation of that story um when i when i initially saw it it i didn't know if it worked and i felt like it didn't work it worked less than i thought it did upon reflection and as i, I have not seen it a second time but i'm excited to see it a second time because i think it works more than i gave it credit for okay in my initial view go go off so Babylon, <laughs> I absolutely loved this movie. I absolutely loved it. The best way I can describe Babylon is it's a thrill ride. It's like riding a roller coaster, right? The first hour, hour and a half of this movie is fun. It's crazy. It's shocking. It's in an experience, unlike any movie that I have seen in quite some time, nothing is coming to mind. Um, this movie was crazy. Now, admittedly, this—it's not the sharpest writing. It's not the sharpest script. Um, this film is not a character study. This film is not period accurate, mm -hmm. right? Um, 
I think there, I hear people talk about what Babylon is about, and I think it's about many different things. I don't think it's about any one thing in particular. I think there's a lot going on here, um, and it's very chaotic, and it is exciting, and it is, it is a blast. I absolutely love this film. Um, I will say, I, I saw this movie with my wife and some friends, and um, my, throughout the whole movie, the only thing that, um, made me feel, um, the only thing in the film that I didn't particularly like was wondering how those around me was thinking of the film that I was enjoying so much, right? <laughs> <laughs> Meaning two, uh, two and a half hours into this movie, I'm loving every second of it, but I'm starting to think, uh-oh, are the people around me just suffering through this, right? Knowing my wife and the friends that I was with, um, I thought this movie was a blast. I absolutely loved it. Um, as far as the ending goes, um, I thought the ending was very strong. Um, you know, I do not applaud in movies. Um, this is one I, I wanted to stand up and applaud, right? Again, it is not perfect. There are problems with the writing. There are problems with the script. Um, but I absolutely loved it. It was a ton of fun. This movie's a great movie. Um, I, I, clearly, I'm the heathen of the bunch, right? But oh no, absolutely no. loved it. Not at all. I mean, you heard a lot of positivity from from Eric as well. I um, I think that the the score being so uh, elevated in this story, like I I feel like you look at Chazelle's career with La La Land and his relationship with this Justin Hurwitz, but the way that the sound and music is used in the film and the way the story is told is incredible to me. I felt like that this score just elevated the full experience on a very difficult story to tell. A very, like you're swinging for the rafters on this. You're, yeah. hitting, you're hitting at it. You are giving everything you can. And it's not just a couple of people, a story, a drama, a, you know, a character study. It is an experience. It is an all encompassing To me, that was, again, by nature, an impressive take. And that, and that the music went with it well enough to elevate it, elevate the storytelling, was huge for me. And, and to me, that held it, that, that moved lifted it up, it. that lifted it, elevated it. One last question on this, on the personal reaction thing for you two. Mm -hmm. and, and you guys can discuss, you know, say whatever you want to say. Um, I'll, I'm always willing to admit if I, if I hear a thing, it's going to be in there. It's going to be in my head. And sometimes it'll be in my head and I'll be like, oh no, those guys were lying. This thing's incredible. Or reverse. Oh, those guys are lying. This thing's dumb. But I had seen multiple, just even like the Rotten Tomatoes blurb mm -hmm. where they said like the first two hours, the first hour and 45, mm -hmm. first hour and a half, First two hours and 15 minutes, any number there, works really well, falls apart a little bit in the last hour. Comments, thoughts, rebuttals, or, or insights I think, before we move on? on I think there are flaws. I don't think it's a perfect film. And I think by nature of what he is trying to do, like you look at Whiplash, you look at La La Land, they're very concise, they're very small, they're very, you package them in a little box and you send them on. To me, that's not what Babylon is about. I think Jordan mentioned to it. It is an experience. It is yeah. a time period. But it's also, you're making a current contemporary piece that's relevant looking 
at, through a lens of the 20s and the partying lifestyle and the movement of, uh, you know, talkies, of, of the silent film to the talkie era, and also not taking for granted where you're at right now. And I think to me that blending that and the attempt, the swing at something so large was really impressive. Well, and so I mean... I'm not even talking about the length. I'm talking about the last hour itself. Mm -hmm. Like, do you think that that's as strong as what came before? Like, basically, for me, I don't remember the time that well, but I basically after the rattlesnake scene, I think. Yeah, yeah. If I'm way off, I apologize. No. But time wise, I think it's around there. That then you have a lot. That's probably two hours. Because, because I thought the strength was still with Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. Okay. It didn't necessarily you do fall get the apart. the end of their story, yeah. obviously, it in didn't, that last It hour. didn't fall apart on this specific time. I thought there were elements that were weaker within there. I think uh, we haven't mentioned the other main... Diego Calva Diego and Calva. Jovan or Jovan Adepo, who plays the trumpeter. Yeah, and, and to, me, to me, the trumpeter was a little weak throughout. Well, the character feels like it's supposed to be like the heart at some points, but you and don't it didn't get enough. enough. Yeah, to me, enough. to me... That's one of the bigger flaws on sure. my evaluation of it. I thought Diego, I did not think he elevated and handled the story as well as when, Margot, Robbie and, as Brad Margot and Brad initially. But as I look back and I see what he was doing and as I've analyzed my own take on, on that experience, he's better than I thought. Yeah. He's better than I gave him credit for and on he, my initial really, take. And he kind of carries that last hour, yeah. right? Jordan, thoughts on that last hour as far as yeah, what so, worked, what didn't work? If you did feel it kind of down there or if you felt like it sustained? So the first hour of the movie is so adrenaline-filled and action-packed yeah. and chaotic. It's strong. You couldn't carry that for a three-hour film. So yes, the movie does um, change Slow gears down. a little bit. Mm -hmm. the, the movie absolutely changed gears a little bit. Uh, and I felt that probably between our, our one and a half to two and a half. Um, mm -hmm. I felt it picks back up at the end. I thought it ended very strongly. Um, you know, I think Diego Calva's character, Manny Torres, uh, was absolutely fantastic in the film. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I thought he was amazing. I think Margot Robbie um, gives a spectacular performance. But I thought Manny's character, you know, Manny uh, was great in the film. And you're right, the this, this story isn't about Manny. Um, it's also about Jack Conrad, who, who Brad Pitt plays. It's also about Nellie Leroy, who Margot Robbie plays. Um, it's also about Sidney Palmer, the, the trumpet player. Yeah. Um, Manny is just one of the people that it's about. But I think his, his character is central and it's important to the story. Yeah, yeah. And, we start and he, with him, we end with him. We do end with him. And um, I, what they're trying to communicate through his character, I, I think, is important. And I think it's there, yeah. Um, I have a lot of friends, actually, who... I shouldn't say a lot. I have a few friends who really liked Babylon. And and I'm always... what I, You and I disagree. Me and Eric disagree. All three of us disagree. I have no issue with that. But I don't like being the one... Like, was I missing the thing? Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I, I'm a big Damien Chazelle fan. Um, and so it's not, not heartening or not even validating. I'm just glad to hear, like, oh, okay, good, good, because... Um, like I said, Bethany came with me and there was so much great stuff in it, but when it got over, I just thought like, oh man, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, not mad, like a little bit annoyed or like, but again, let directors do interesting stuff. I'm not mad that this movie got made. No, I'm either. not mad that I saw it. 
I was only annoyed because I, oh man, I think there was an hour fifty minute movie in here that would have killed. Yes. Because he's so talented, her wits is so talented. The next thing we have on here are the performances. I thought Margot Robbie was great. I thought Diego Calvo was great. I thought Brad Pitt was great. Toby Maguire's part wasn't my cup of tea. I thought it was too weird a little bit. I didn't really, I get even the metaphorical aspects of going into the depths of hell and stuff. Mm -hmm. Totally got that, but I just felt like those scenes weren't, they didn't do a lot for me. No. I thought he was funny. He was. Like, it's a weird performance, but I thought Toby Maguire was funny. Spike Jones shows up as like a German director. I think he's supposed to be German. He's really funny. But, and I wrote this, I think, on my letterbox review, like the, the parts add up to less than their sum. Yeah. Me. Like. I agree. And so, yeah, I think if I am, if I were to tailor this movie to something that I would like more, I'd probably cut all the Brad Pitt stuff. Oh, interesting. Um, so I guess if you are listening to this and haven't seen the movie, kind of Brad Pitt's storyline in the movie is that he's. When we meet him, he's kind of at the height of his career. It, it's basically the movie The Artist. That's the thing. Is with I, Brad Pitt stuff. I thought so, the same thing. Even though I liked a lot of it, mm -hmm. and probably more than you, it sounds like, I actually, while watching, was like, this is The Artist. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I'm like, well, I've seen that movie before. And a better version. Sorry, yes, Damien Chazelle. Agreed. Um, so yeah, an actor who basically whose career becomes irrelevant because of um, the advent of sound in movies. Yeah. And yeah. so it felt, to me, that felt disjointed from the rest of the movie. Um just plot wise, I get probably them thematically what you know what Damien's trying to do is show right. it, it's his big swing, right? He's trying to show all these uh, kind of different types of stories that would have been happening at the same time um, during this time of change for Hollywood. But man, yeah, I felt like it it made the movie so much longer. It didn't say anything that like something that like the real. artist hasn't already said. That's valid. Um, and same thing overall with I think the whole movie is like. Um, even comparing it to La La Land, I just feel like there's not that much that's different, right? I mean, obviously the characters, like Margot Robbie's character is so different from like Emma Stone's character in La La Land. Sure. But overall, it's still just, you know, young, aspiring actress tries to make yeah. it in Hollywood. And with a, a filmmaker I'm so, I'm as interested in as Damien Chazelle, it's, for me, there was also kind of an element of like, you're only going to be able to make so many movies in your life and I want to see you do, you know, kind of tackle... A, a wider variety of themes because sure. um, even La La Land I felt was already thematically similar to Whiplash right just kind of going from striving for excellence in music versus striving for excellence in, in like acting right or owning a jazz bar um, <laughs> and so so that was kind of a lot of the disappointment for me I was like well I, I feel like yeah what well, we're getting a lot of the same what's different yeah maybe isn't really jiving with me kind of if is he looking back on this age with yeah. nostalgia or, or, or glorifying it or condemning it? I, I don't know either. And I didn't know. Yeah. Kind of, it was hard for me to form an opinion on it. And that, yeah. so I, I think that's how it's divisive for me personally. And, um, but not in a way where it's like, Oh, I can't stop thinking about that movie. And yeah. I, um, am just like, yeah, enamored with it. So no, it's, no, not at all. You know, and, and I, I feel like there's always an element if you're someone, not you, if anyone is someone who loved a movie that they feel is unfairly critically reviled or unfairly, or there's an unfair disappointment in it, that there's always an element in your heart of like, oh, they don't get it like I get it. Yeah. Right? Oh, absolutely. And mm -hmm. I, I hate being on the other side of that. Yeah. Like we kind of are here, but we have a lot of people on our side with it. This isn't a movie that's 90%. 95% critics love it, and I'm mm -hmm. going, what happened here? 
It's no, everyone is divided on it. Yeah. And and like we said at the beginning, it's okay if you make a movie that throws out a lot of different themes, but at the end I kind of want to feel like at least you have a sense of some thoughts you're imparting to us and I just felt like everything was jumbled. Um and then that end was just like, I don't know. Some people call it pretentious. I don't want to go that far. Um but it was strange of like, I don't know. If all these terrible things happen and all these people are terrible people, it doesn't matter if we make great art. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that is that is kind of all right? I can make of Isn't it, too. Isn't that what it felt um, at like the at the end? Mm-hmm. Like, all these terrible things happen and people did terrible things and treated each other terribly, but it doesn't matter, ultimately, because we made beautiful things. Yeah, and, and like, I would even, I'll even, okay, I'll defend a little bit and say, might not be saying it doesn't matter, but just saying, but also look what it also did. And, yeah, you know? nice. Which is kind of so, weird. Yeah, it is and, weird. And fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to ever take you to task. Like I said, uh, your movies can be as moral, immoral, or amoral as want, as you want. Not you, Damien Chazelle. Sorry, mm-hmm. buddy. But uh, as I'm looking over here. As, as anyone wants, but that doesn't mean that I necessarily am going to love that. And I think I wanted to add one thing, and then we'll talk briefly about. I, I kind of, I can, kind of can already feel where it falls for us in Damien Chazelle's uh-huh. kind of uh, career movies. But um, I said to you guys, and maybe even on some episodes of of our podcast, and I've told lots of people that the reason I was disappointed in First Man or First Man is just because it was so um, by the book. Sure. Like, First Man felt like it was really, it was shot really well, and everyone did a great job acting, but a biopic like we see. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I like when Damien Chazelle's challenging things and, and doing weird things and, and surprising us. And I feel like Whiplash and La La Land do that. So does Babylon. Yeah. But then I was, I, I'm still, even though I liked First Man better, I would take more Babylons over First Man's. If I that agree. makes sense. It does, and I agree. Because I'm willing to have you try something and throw weird stuff at the screen and have dance-filled orgy parties and mm-hmm. drug-filled orgy parties at the beginning and and throw that crazy weird montage at the end if you are if you are at, to go back to our intro, taking big swings. Yeah. I'm into it. Like, I'm not, I don't know that I'll ever watch Babylon again. Same. I, I don't have a strong desire. If I did, I'd probably fast-forward to that Margot Robbie scene, which was pretty great. Um, but I'm not mad it exists because it shows he's out there going, let's try something different. And totally. Weird and, yeah. So, uh, you would have it fourth on Damien. Well, not counting Guy and Madeline on a part. Yeah, I, which we should really probably watch. Yeah, but, we should try, try to get um, that somewhere. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. Um, love La La Land and Whiplash. I don't remember First Man that well, but I know I liked it. Yeah, and yeah. definitely, yeah, liked it more than Babylon. Yeah. So it's... Babylon is the fourth out of the four for me. All right, so just generally uh, for you two, where would this fall in uh, in your very casual Damien Chazelle rankings? Does Babylon beat some? And he did have Guy and Madeline on a park bench. I have not seen that. I, I'm guessing you guys I have probably seen haven't seen it. So when we look just at the four, La La Land, Whiplash, not, those aren't the right order, obviously. First Man and Babylon. Where does Babylon fall? So, uh, initially, I this has been one I've been trying to to process myself is is where does it land? For me, I'm I'm still so high on La La Land and and Whiplash has grown. Uh, First Man is strong for me, and and Babylon 
initially when I, I left, I thought, okay, Babylon, fourth. But it's really, uh, because of the depth and the storytelling, it's, it's almost given me more to analyze. And so it may sneak up a little higher than I had anticipated. But it's, um, yeah, so I'd say, I'd say probably the third, fourth rank. But it's nice. it's hard for me to yeah, process. and it's a small it's a small sample size. He, mm -hmm. he is he's young, and you know is not overly prolific per se. Yeah, about you. Where does it fall for me? Um, that depends on how I'm judging these films. Mm -hmm. um, there's a number of different ways to critique a film and to ultimately judge a film. Um, is it as tight a script? Absolutely not. Right, it is not. His other scripts um, are are more um, thought out. Maybe that's, that's not an accurate description. I would say um, the other scripts um, have less fluff, right, to them. Um, but more this focused. is- Yeah, more, thank you. That's exactly what I'm looking for. They are far more focused. Um, this is my favorite movie he's done. Um, so as far as his, you know, if I'm listing enjoyability his films, factor, I would say this is my favorite movie he's done for sure, um, and I would say by a long margin. I loved his other films, um, but this movie was just so fun for me. Um, is it his best film? Probably not. I would say no. It's not his best film, but um, we're fond here, just in our like, and it's something like from the beginning because I, for years, have been. Um, put out, uh, annoyed by everyone always using the best. Yeah. Right? And I don't mean you. I mean when we rank. It's like, here are the best movies. Like, well, how are my 10 best different from his 10 best? So we always say favorite. That's just like what we try to use, right? So you would say it's your favorite, right? I would That's say this is my said. favorite film. That's and, interesting, and yeah. Again, his catalog is fantastic. He's got some great movies. Yeah. Uh, La La Land, one best picture. Oh, no, wait, it was Moonlight, sorry. No, it didn't, I really, I should have trusted, obviously, in our time together that you knew, but I was like, on red alert, what are you talking for, for about? For a moment, it did. I for know. a brief moment, it did. It did indeed. Um, no, he, I mean, he's got a great, a great catalog. Um, this was my favorite. Again, it's not the tightest script. Yeah, yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I, and I like the way that you, you divided that, because that's, that's what we love to look at here, like mm -hmm. we're... We just like to talk about movies. We like to talk about why we enjoyed them and stuff. And I, I would say like it is uh, uh, Jake and I will, will be a little more like not antagonistic, but Jake would like to prod if he like to. Well, that's another one Chad doesn't like. But I think like just the way that you explained it, even when you were talking about why you love Babylon, I'm like, oh, yeah, like everything you're saying, like I agree with a lot of that, even though I feel Sure, like, oh yeah, that part was a blast. Oh yeah, that part was, oh yeah, like so I don't fun. think it's as tight. Oh yeah, like I'm, I'm all on board on almost everything that you said while still disagreeing very respectfully on like how much fun ultimately it was and maybe what I took away from it as, yeah. as a viewer. And I'm, I always admit that I suffer from comparing. I just do. Yeah. Like when a, when a, a director that I love does something, I'm comparing it to the other ones and if it doesn't measure up, that's not their fault. <laughs> Right? Like, that's not their fault. Like, I, I mean, fault. We're, they're making movies, right? But I, I always struggle with that. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, I don't like Nope as much because I don't think it worked as well as Us and Get Out. That doesn't mean Nope didn't have a lot of great things that worked for it. And similar here is I'm just like, well, First Man and Babylon are 
they're lower for me, but that's just because I was blown away by Whiplash and La La Land. And so mm-hmm. it's hard, it's gonna be hard for him to measure up for the rest of his life. Yeah. And that's just to me. I know you care a little bit, Damien, about what I think. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a different movie. This is not trying to be La La Land. This is not no, trying no, to be Whiplash. This it's is like not trying to be La La for, Land. A lot yeah. of people have mentioned. Yeah, exactly. And so you need to know that going into it. And and I completely understand why you don't love this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely understand why half of audiences who see this um, are, you know, greatly let down by it. I fully understand that. I loved it. And shout out to Flea, by the way, from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, yeah. He played like a, a fairly substantial role. I mean, yeah. not overly substantial, but you would More have thought he was gone, games. and then he comes back in, and then yeah. he comes back in again. So uh, he's been in a lot of movies, and he's always this crazy, bombastic, little, 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 little type of druggy guy, right? Mm-hmm. And here he's like and, a And here more, he is like a producer, like an executive producer. And, and although he is not a great actor in here, I'm sitting here thinking, go Flea, man. Oh, yeah. You can play the bass and do some, do some <laughs> acting. In case I don't mention this... In the in the proper um, uh, the the episode proper, uh, the other scene we loved is the um, scene where they're trying to get sound for the first time. Sound. So good. Oh, so there's so many. You've got to you've got to admit, all throughout this movie there are oh yeah ten star scenes back to back to back to back to back. That's like oh in the yeah. party in the party. Oh yeah, yeah. that was good. Yeah. I'm not as high on that. Mm. Part like that opening scene for me. There's a lot of the tear scene. That's so thing good. So well. So Brad good. on the set. Yep. Even the rattlesnake scene, the rattlesnake which was scene. ridiculous. It's funny because that one worked less. Yeah, well, yeah, which for me. makes perfect sense. <laughs> you know, but it was more. I think it was because going into it, we're like, because both my wife and I were like, oh, that was kind of fun. It, it, it was. It was going funny. into it, we're like, yeah. this is absurd. But I was like, oh, I'm, I'm like loving the way she goes and just chops the. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, the first time they had to get sound. And the way, again, she gets on the phone and nails all her lines mm-hmm. that she was trying to... So get, many yeah. good scenes in this movie. Agreed 100%. Yes. So yes. many good 100%. films. 100%. So will you be sad if it gets if it picks up multiple Oscar nominations? No. Will that, will that, I mean, will, if, it's, if it's maybe shoving out... like so Just to give a little bit of context, um, uh, it, a lot of people do think it will get nominated for score. There are some people who think it has a pretty good but outside shot of getting nominated for picture. And there are a few others, if you like look up Oscar odds and stuff, where it's in the mix. Like production design and things where, you know, it's about the craft behind the movie, which the craft is excellent, as always, on Mm -hmm. Damien Chazelle's movies. So I'm just kind of curious, like, if you're like, well, no, shut it out so he kind of (laughs) knows. Not really, because I I think Damien Chazelle's a good dude, and he's young, so he has a lot of career ahead of him. Um, do you feel like it will it will validate him in having made this kind of messy, convoluted, ultimate misfire for you and I? Or what what are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I mean, I think I um, I have to, I mean I haven't even watched any like full interviews or probably even read full articles with Damien Chazelle talking about this movie. But I I feel like just what I've seen in kind of quotes from him and like headlines and things like that it seems like he's proud of it right and like sure would defend it and so i i kind of i guess i would hope that it's it's not going to affect him a ton either way as to you know whether he receives oscar nominations and awards for this movie and then what he does after right um that said i i won't be mad um if i mean i especially if it's pushing out stuff i don't want nominated then great i mean i i think it still deserves or I'd be fine with it getting recognition, I guess. Um, especially the performances that and the score. So, and if that's where it's the most talked about, then yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah, we, um, 
look at Gold Derby a fair amount if you haven't if you're listening it's just like an online site that gives like odds for award shows and stuff related to pop culture Ooh. and especially famous for um, uh, handicapping the the Oscars and uh, just today my son and I were looking at it and Babylon was ranked 11th on best picture um, which is pretty high and I, I I told him I gave him a thumbs down but but then he's like oh yeah would you be mad I'm like no I wouldn't be mad um I I would some of the other spots on Gold Derby's odds are taken by like Avatar two right and um, Elvis stuff that I felt you know was had admirable stuff but also not really best picture worthy in, in my mind so it's not like it's going to be filled with you know all movies that are so deserving in my mind subjectively sorry objective no subjectively <laughs> I'm an English teacher <laughs> subjectively but um. But yeah, I, I don't. I don't want him to feel chastised, and I don't think that he will. But I think it's kind of like no, we we don't always. I don't. I don't like necessarily when people just are always in because of who they are. Yeah, like Paul oh, Thomas yeah. Anderson is kind of that way, and he's a great filmmaker. But I'm like eh, sometimes, and I know we disagree a little bit on this. But sometimes, if your thing's not quite maybe as good as some of your other things, like Licorice Pizza, for me, mm-hmm. um, I don't feel like your name needs to just always put you in the best director category. Totally. And I do, I agree with that. I feel like I say that every year when we talk Oscars, right? Like, I, I hate, if there's someone, actor, director, whatever, if they do something that year, then, then they just get in. I'm, yeah, I'm totally against that. Yeah, so, yeah. So I can see, yeah, if this is a chance to not do that a little bit, yeah, since yeah. this was such a, it, it didn't land with a lot of people, then yeah, maybe this shouldn't be Damien's year. Year, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Anything else you wanted to say about, right? We've got some stuff I, hopefully you've already heard that I spliced in too, so... Um, we've got, a, oh, I wanted to say one thing and I think I may have mentioned it on the other half, but I did like Jean Smart's speech she gives to Brad Pitt, which I know would leave if we got rid of the Brad Pitt stuff, yes. but I thought it was written pretty well and I thought she delivered it especially well. It wasn't new thematically, but she did, I thought that was better than the montage at the end. Yes. Cause she basically implies like you're going to live forever because of this. Yeah. Like that's, and it's a really good speech and it's one that even though We've heard things like it before. I thought it, it it had enough subtlety and nuance to it that we got kind of some different shades of that, and and I feel like we'd already we'd already managed that, and then the end just served to muddy it up more. But I just wanted to give it a shout out to that speech and Jean Smart because I thought that's that's part of the reason she's in the movie just to deliver that because she's mostly on the sidelines. She plays like a kind of like a gossip reporter. Yeah. Um, but then she has this scene with Brad Pitt where she gets to kind of give the big thematic monologue. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought it worked pretty well for being the big thematic monologue. It did. Anyway. Yeah, anything else? Um, just, I guess, I haven't said anything much about the score. And just that I... Oh, yeah. Um, I did think it was one of the best things about the movie. Um, it does actually feel like La La Land in places to me. There's Some even... stuff sounds exactly like it. Like, I think he was purposefully nodding to it? Do you think so? There's, yeah, a specific refrain. Like, I've even... Because... I'm, I like music. I'm a music person, right? Like it's specifically, yeah, from someone in the crowd. There's kind of a, uh-huh. a specific ref, kind of little. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, like, wasn't it that part? Yeah, yeah, and then just a, da, 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 yeah, da, 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 da. Uh-huh. and that comes up again and again in the movie. So it's like I leaned you... over to Bethany and was like, "This sound, this part sounds like," but it almost, almost like it was on purpose. That's how close it is. It's true, and it shows up enough times that I'm like, "Yeah, Justin Herbert's had to have had noticed to. that." No <laughs> one listened to it and was like, "No, no similarities." Yeah. Like and gave him a no, you know. Yeah, and just overall, yeah, just kind of the even the main theme um, of 
I think it is like for Margot Robbie's and Diego Calva's characters feels very kind of La La Land um, kind of City of Stars ish almost. But I like it, and I'm not I'm not saying these things as criticism. It's no, more no. just like I noticed that uh, the um, fact that we noticed it, I was like, if he's doing this on purpose, I don't care at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. like if it's meant to be kind of an attachment to another movie, the whole La La Land idea. Yeah, like I'm fine with that. Yeah, same. Yeah, which then takes away my criticism as well of like you're doing the same movie twice. Maybe with the music, they're saying, yeah, of course we are. We are <laughs> doing the same <laughs> movie twice, <laughs> but obviously not the same movie at all. But right. um, um, the other thing I was going to say about it, though, um, oh, it's just that I've been listening to it since then, and it's a classic example of a score that, like, it it's so good that it makes me, like, want to be nostalgic for the movie, but yeah. I can't. It makes me want, it just makes me wish it was part of a movie that I personally had yep. enjoyed more. I um, feel like some people, it's actually done that for them. Like, where they think the, the movie score is so good because, and that has made them think the movie's even better. Okay. The way, just again, I'm just talking about social media and people that I follow. I follow a lot of people who just talk about movies, yeah. not even critics, just movie fans. And Twitter's algorithm is like, you want more movie yep. stuff? And I'm like, I do. <laughs> yeah. um, and a lot of them, uh, it seems like that, that love for the, for the score has like become infused and like the movie was even better than I thought. Like, I mean, that's what scores are supposed to do. Yeah. But I don't think it, it assuages uh, or glosses over some of those flaws that maybe kept me from really enjoying it like I wanted to. Same. Good times. All right. Well, hopefully we'll get this out uh, before the Oscars, uh, although you're probably listening afterwards. So we will have some Oscar stuff in the future. We're going to record our top 10 favorites of the year. If you're a longtime listener, you know we do that a little bit later because we don't have access to as much stuff as the critics do. So we're trying to catch up with stuff excuse me, that hasn't even come out in theaters yet and maybe we can find streaming or disappeared from theaters so fast that we haven't had a chance to see it yet. So in a couple weeks, probably around February 5th, we're going to try to record that and we'll have some Oscar responses and things like that too um, because we get excited this time of year to root for our favorites and stuff like that. So for for Jake and I, Babylon was kind of a miss. For Eric and Jordan, as you heard in some of those things I spliced in, a little more of a hit for them. Um, they liked some of that excessiveness, and they they I think the big swing nature of it elevated it for them. Um, but I not one that I'd say go out and see. I'd, I'd rewatch Whiplash and La La Land if you want to get your Damien Chazelle fix. Um, anyway, yeah, thank you for listening. Thanks.